Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. So what happens? You're standing for your marriage. You want to make it work. Your spouse, for whatever reason, has left. Well, as a matter of fact, let's be more specific. Let's say in this particular situation that your spouse left because he or she wanted to be with someone else. It broke your heart, of course, but you're still standing for the marriage. And now you almost had hope because of the fact that the relationship your spouse developed with this other person ended. For whatever reason, he or she, the other person typically walked out of it. And then you thought, well, my spouse will come back to me because now that that other thing is gone, that other person is gone, obviously he'll want to be with me. Actually, you think that way because you thought that you were in competition with the other person. And I understand. I get it why people think that, but that's not really the case. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to our live call-in program. In a little while, I'll start taking phone calls and interact with you, and we'd love to answer your questions. But right now, I want to start off by beginning, well, actually by finishing what I just began, by talking about, okay, why won't my spouse come back? When you think it's time, when you think, okay, the other thing's gone, the other person's gone, I don't see what's holding him or her away anymore, why don't they want to come back to me? Let me explain that a little bit. If you want to go ahead and and call so you can get into the queue, then our telephone number is 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. Now, when you call, when the phone is answered, be sure that when you hear that answer, you press the number 1, and that puts you into the queue so that you can talk to our call screener, and that's the process to go through to wind up on the air with me, and I would love to talk to you. So... Why doesn't the spouse come back? Well, I'm going to give a short answer, and then I'm going to explain the short answer better. The short answer basically is this. People don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. So if your spouse, for example, left you for another person, it's because they developed belief that being with that other person was better than being with you. I know it hurts to hear that, but just stay with me. And that doesn't mean, by the way, and make sure you hear this as well, it doesn't mean that being with the other person is better than being with you. It just means that's what they believe to be true. They believe that it's better to be with the other person. Now, when that thing or person that leaves your spouse away ends or goes away, people typically expect that the straying straying spouse will now come to the realization that they never should have done what they've done and that they'll want to come back into their family. Yet... Often, they don't. If they don't, at least not right away, they don't. That's an indication that at this point, they do not believe that being with their mate is better than some other option. Now, don't get discouraged by that. Don't get disappointed. Don't get disappointed. Stay with me. Uh, So the basic answer when you say, okay, Dr. Beam, why is it that? My spouse hasn't come back to me. The basic answer is that for whatever reason, 
your spouse doesn't perceive being with you as the better course for their life at this time. Now, why do they feel that way? Why do they believe that? Uh, well, you understand that the answer varies with each person. And because I don't know your spouse and I don't have any opportunity to interact and communicate and ask questions with your spouse, I cannot possibly tell you specifically, but I can give you some possibilities to consider. Here's one. Your spouse has programmed his or her brain to think only negatively of you. Now, remember, we're talking about at this point. We're not talking about how it's always going to be. But if they haven't come back yet, one possibility is they programmed the brain to think negatively about you. You see, whether leaving for another person or leaving for a lifestyle or leaving for a fantasy, it's very common that the departing spouse will vilify their spouse. Now, the reason they do that is much more complicated than you might think. Um, but for now, let me just give you a, a kind of a simple explanation, if I may. Vilification very seldom is conscious strategy. Well, you know, unless it's designed to make the standing spouse so miserable that they'll divorce. But typically, vilification happens in the subconscious. It's, it's one way to diminish feelings of guilt when one's doing things that violate their own beliefs and values. So making the standing spouse the villain offers at least a little comfort to the chaotic mind of a person who deep within knows that what they're doing is wrong, but they very strongly want to do it. And because the person actually believes the vilification, believes that the standing spouse is bad for them or is a terrible person or whatever, all those kinds of things, because they believe that, that's why they programmed their brain that way. And therefore, therefore, it often is the case that if a person or thing that they left you for ends or goes away, their mind still believes all those negative things about you. And because they believe that, if they've terribly vilified you, then often they're not ready to come back because in their mind, you're still that bad person at this time. So one reason they might not give me, uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm talking, having trouble talking today. I just finished an intensive three-day workshop with couples in trouble, and I guess I've worn my mouth out. <clears throat> but because they believe that, because they believe that, then that's why they're not coming back right now. But understand the fact that they believe that today doesn't mean that's what they're always going to believe. And what can you do about that? Well, I'll share a couple of things in a moment about what to do about that. So one reason that your spouse may not be willing to come back right now is because they've actually programmed their brain to think negatively about you. And it's still that way right now. Now, if you go with the principle that people don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better, then even if they don't really have anything out there except they're just drifting along, they might still see that better than being with you because they vilified you so much in their brain. There's a second possibility as well. And that might be that your spouse is still chasing a fantasy or a dream. You see, people who are in limerence, and if you've been a regular listener, listener to this program, you know what we talk about when we talk about limerence. People who are in limerence, especially the deeper state of limerence, what I call phase two, they spend a great deal of time daydreaming about the future where they're a fair partner. And, and they actually get a kind of a high from those daydreams because dopamine goes rushing through their brain and they get excited and it feels good. And in their daydreams, it's a world of perfection, of bliss and endless excitement. Of course, as we know, that 
It's a fantasy. It's never what really happens in life. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship. There's no such thing as living happily ever after. Thinking that there is, is a fairy tale. It's not how real life works. Now, if the person or thing, in other words, it could be a human being, and that's typically what we talk about, but it could be a dream, a fantasy, a lifestyle that they're chasing. If that ends or goes away, the desires to fulfill those daydreams doesn't automatically go away. Now, it takes a major hit, of course. And when they finally accept that, for example, the affair partner isn't coming back, then they remove that affair partner, that person from the dream, but often they still want the bliss that that dream would offer them. In other words, they still think there's going to be this amazing experience out there somehow. They just change who's populating the dream. Now you might be thinking, okay, then why don't they think that they can have that dream with me? Because they've lived a life of reality with you. Life with ups and downs. Life that sometimes is tough, sometimes unhappy, sometimes very much different from their daydreamed future. Therefore, they don't associate you with the dreams. They don't have that dream with you. They didn't have that dream with you before. They, the life with you wasn't fulfilling that kind of a dream. And they know that the life with you isn't like that fantasy that they have. So... Many people look for another way, sometimes even another person to fulfill those dreams. And because they're still seeking that, they don't want to come back to you. In other words, you're not competing. You're not competing at all. But if you want to think about it that way, you would be competing with a daydream. And you have been part of their real life. So those things just don't mesh. Now, at some point, you know, unless they choose to live in la-la land for the rest of their lives, at some point they'll realize that what they're chasing is impossible to catch. And that's when the possibility comes where they can look to you. But that only happens if you've done certain things in the meantime, and I'll explain those in a moment or two. So do you hear the first one? They may have so vilified you that they still see you as being bad. Number two, they have these daydreams of about this amazing future that we're going to have with their affair partner, for example. And because they've lived real life with you, they don't associate you with those dreams. And so when the affair partner goes away, they don't replace you. They don't put you into that dream because you are not part of fantasy. You're part of reality. Now, here's the third reason. It's really better to be without you than with you. Yeah, I know, I know that sounds mean. I don't want to be mean. However, as you know, by now, if you've listened to me very much, I'll tell you the truth. And there are some people out there who will lie to you because they want to get your money. But we're always going to tell you the truth, even, even when we know you're not going to like it. Now, if your spouse doesn't want to come back, please do an honest inventory of your own behaviors, your own attitudes, your own responsibilities. You see, if you're being negative, even to the point of just thinking negatively, you'll be much more likely to do things that push your spouse further away. Things like begging, pleading, whining, those are all bad. Or, or trying to manipulate or control, that's really bad. Exploding with anger, saying mean things, throwing them under the bus to other people, those are all bad things to do. But actually, the opposite is just as bad. By allowing yourself, for example, to be treated poorly or disrespectfully, that's bad too. If you want your spouse to come back at some point, don't do those negative things. 
Don't allow yourself to think those negative feelings. Because if you want your spouse to come back at some point, what you need to do is become the best you that you can be. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. In short, you're going to demonstrate that you really are the better choice. You're not going to tell them that. You're going to show them that. All right, did you hear those three potential reasons? There could be others, but these are the most common to run into. The first is they vilified you. Okay, they've got to get past that before they'll want to come back to you. The second is they have this fantasy in which you don't, in their minds, fit because they associate you with reality. And at some point, at some point, they're going to realize that they really are chasing a fantasy and they can't have it. And when they reach that, you want to be the person that they turn to. And I'll talk about that in just a second. Or number three, if you really are doing things to push them away, if you're whining, begging, pleading, if you're controlling, if you're saying these mean things to them, then you'll have to stop those things. Okay, so let me give you three things to do. Number one, believe in yourself and believe in your future. Let me see if I can explain that a little better. Focusing on the pain will affect most things that you do, most things that you feel, what you think, what you say. Now, I know your pain is real. I get that. And it has to be dealt with. But when you focus on it, it keeps you from becoming what you can be. You say, okay, well, what do I do then? Okay. If you've ever been in a Lamaze class, you know, where they teach you what to do to help uh, with the delivery, whether your husband or the wife, they teach you to breathe and all those kinds of things. But one thing they teach you in a Lamaze class that actually is applicable right here, they teach you to focus not on what's right in front of you, but to focus further away. Why? Because you see, if, if you're focusing right here in front of your face, which is what you tend to do when you're in great pain, it actually gives you no ability to be able to handle the pain. And it just hurts like all get out. So they teach you breathing techniques, actually to get some control over your body. And then they tell you to look across the room and find something over there at some point. At least that's what they taught me back when our daughters were born, when they were teaching Alice and me. And looking over there and focusing on that actually, while doing the things to help with the pain, like the breathing, actually helps you to handle the pain better. You understand that principle? It actually is the same general principle that works when you're standing for your marriage. Don't focus on what's right in front of you, the pain you feel today, what he said, what she said today, those kinds of things. Don't even focus on trying to save the marriage. I know that sounds contradictory, but stay with me. Because focusing on trying to save the marriage nearly always leads people to make bad decisions and do dumb things. Focus on something out there. You say, what is that? Believing in yourself and focusing on your future. Not thinking about your future marriage, because that actually also may lead you to make some dumb decisions and do some dumb things. So not what you think the marriage, don't get into the la-la land of thinking about your future marriage right now. Instead, think about the future you that you wish to be. Understand? Instead of who, instead of your marriage, focus on who you can become that's better than the you that you are now, no matter how amazing you are already. Picture yourself physically and intellectually and emotionally, spiritually, as you wish to be. As a matter of fact, you might even write down descriptions of that. This is what I want to be like physically. This is what I want to be like intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Write those things out so they become more than just a vague concept, but words you can look at, word pictures that you can draw that, okay, that's who I want to be, and then focus on that. 
I'd recommend, for example, that you go to www.piesuniversity.com. That's P-I-E-S, university, all one long word, dot com. And when you get there, it talks about the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. Look for the podcast. It all begins with attraction. And listen to those podcasts. There are several out there now. And keep thinking about who you can be in the future. Because if you focus on the right here, what's in front of you, you're just going to hurt, hurt, hurt. Focusing out there doesn't eliminate the pain, but it gives you a much better ability to deal with the pain. And plus, if you really do work on becoming that person, you become the best you that you can possibly be. If you think in terms of attraction, that, that basic principle, people don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. When you keep becoming the better, better, better person, doing that creates a much greater likelihood that your spouse is going to be pulled back towards you rather than being pushed away from you. Because focusing on that will lead you to actions and thoughts and emotions that are strong pull. Not only do you become more awesome, but your spouse will time will in all likelihood notice that. And if for some reason they don't, you've prepared yourself for a good future, no matter what your spouse does. And so the second thing is, and I'm kind of being redundant a little bit here, but analyze your actions and your attitudes and your emotions that continue to push your spouse away. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm being redundant, but think about that and stop anything that pushes your spouse away. Unless, it's a push that you need to continue. Uh, for example, let's say your spouse makes it clear that you're asking for financial support is a push, but, but you need financial support, uh, you know, so you can survive or so you can feed your children. Well, we'd call that an essential push. Don't give up the essential pushes. Keep doing those, even if your spouse reacts negatively to it, because those are things that you need to do. But the other pushes where a push where that you're whining or pleading, where you're trying to manipulate or control, or maybe you're just trying to get some vengeance. Stop all those. Stop all of them. So analyze any actions, any attitudes, any emotions within you that continue to push your spouse away. Okay. Number three, don't try to interpret every reaction or reaction from your spouse. You know that, you're, that they're not thinking like they used to think. They're not acting like they used to act. And so trying to understand them right now is going to be very frustrating to begin with. Be patient as you become the better you. But if you try to interpret everything they say or everything they do, you'll drive yourself nuts. Also, it'll deter you from your own growth. You'll find yourself thinking, well, this isn't working, so why do it? You're not doing it just for them. You're doing it for you. And if you try to interpret everything they do, every action and reaction on their part, it's going to deter you from becoming the best you, you can be, which you need to do no matter what your spouse does. You see, you're not becoming the better in the sense that you only are doing that to try to uh, restore your marriage. You're becoming the better you no matter what your spouse does. Now, remember, you can stop standing for your marriage anytime you wish. It's not only your spouse's decision whether to return. It's your decision as to whether you'll allow them to return. Therefore, live your life with confidence. If they don't come back, you can still have a great future. So why allow yourself to be tormented by dwelling on anything your spouse does to the point that your emotions ride an unpleasant roller coaster? 
You focus on who you're becoming. You focus on the future you, not on trying to read your straying spouse's mind. And by doing that, you become the better you, which means that you will have a good future. Now, I know you want your spouse to come back, and I do too. I'm not trying to prepare you for another relationship down the road, although if you follow the principles we teach, you will be prepared for a better relationship down the road. No, what we're trying to do, what we're desperately trying to do is help you become the best you you can be. And if you go back to that basic principle I'm talking about, where that it's people don't believe what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better, you become the better. And it gives you the option. It gives you the option to accept or reject when your spouse decides that he or she wants to reconcile and come back to you. You're not hopeless or helpless. You are in control of you. Well, I hope those thoughts helped. Let's go with we'll chart to the phone calls now. And first, we're going to go to the great country of England, and we're going to speak to Kim over there. Hi, Kim. The question I see here is that you're trying to figure out how to break through when your husband found someone else that he has more in common with. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Hi, Dr. B. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Good. If I may ask, what time is it in Great Britain? It is 10 to 7 in the evening. Okay, so not terribly late. Can, we, can you give no. me a little bit of information when you say that he's found somebody he has more in common with? What does that mean? Um, basically, we're from different countries. Um, been married for 20 years in June, but the affair partner is from his same, his own country, his home country. Hmm. Um, yeah, so they, they have a lot in common, and their culture, they're very close community in their, in their culture. Mm-hmm. And has he already developed a relationship with her? Yes, absolutely. So I'm not sure when it started, but it was some years before he left home, and he left 17 months ago. Um, and the affair partner is in contact with his mother, so she can call him, her, call his mother directly. She started to call his father directly. Mm-hmm. I'm still in touch with his father. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe she's been around and he's been talking to her within the marriage for at least five plus years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and where is he now? I got, kind of got lost a little bit in that story. Does he still live with you or is he someplace else? No, no. He, he left home 17 months ago. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, he left. So I believe because of COVID, he's actually with her now. They're living together. It's kind of thrown them. COVID has thrown them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm finding is that it's very challenging because I know um, with the pies, you know, you you work on yourself and try and be the better mm-hmm. person. But how can I be better when actually I look at him with this? Well, I haven't seen her, but I've seen a picture of her. I know he's mm-hmm. from her place, and they have mm-hmm. so much more in common. She's cooking his traditional food, and she's younger and obviously more attractive than what I am, tall and slender, you know, a bit younger than me. How can I com- – I know you've just said compete uh, with the dream, but right. that's his reality at the moment, and it's supported by his family. 
that does make it much more difficult. There's no doubt about that. The fact that his family yeah. is supporting that makes it yeah. much more difficult. We talked about that in our program mm-hmm. yeah. last week. So uh, you still are married. He hasn't filed for divorce. Is that correct? No, he hasn't. He threatened to probably about three months ago, and I was, and that was over the text. Because everything's over the text. He doesn't really want to talk to me. He runs away. He, doesn't, he mm-hmm. walks away if I'm talking anything personal about the marriage. I stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to do everything by text, but he doesn't want to entertain the marriage. He keeps saying he's not coming back if it's. I'm hinting at it. Um, mm-hmm. So the divorce suggestion was after a slight disagreement, probably about three months ago, and I said, Oh no, we, you know, myself and the children, we couldn't. We couldn't bear the divorce. It would hurt, you know, emotionally. We just couldn't mm-hmm. because my one of my my children they're having to retake the year because of this affair partner, this situation mm-hmm. we're in. And my mm-hmm. my teenage son, he's just dyed his hair blonde, and he's in counselling. They're both in counselling, so we emotionally it would be too much. Right. And so he hasn't progressed since then to mention it or, you know. Okay. Two other questions about Meg. You said she's younger. How much younger is she than he? He is 58 in November. She, I believe, is 47. Okay, so about 11 years. Second question, yes. is is he still in good, strong contact with the children? He is beginning to be now because I've had to call him and say, can we have a parental conversation? And that was probably about three weeks ago. But prior Mm -hmm. to that, my daughter hadn't seen him until Christmas since last April, refused to contact Mm -hmm. him. Um, And my son every now and again, but basically he he doesn't see, he wasn't seeing the children maybe once every couple of weeks. But since I've had the parental conversation, since lockdown, he was just turning up with a bag of shopping, saying hi and going away. So it was hardly any commitment. So he could do that once a week. But since then, I've sort of said, we have a little bit more communication with the children. And he's taken them for walks. I've come back and said, really, it's really good. And really, just this morning, I texted him to say, can you, according to us, can you have them over the weekend and things? And he said, it's up to the kids. And and I'm out of it. He wants to talk to them away from me. Okay. And so he's involved with this woman. He's been gone for 17 months. And and yes. she there is some age difference, the 11 years age difference. Is he still in yes. Ling- England or has he gone back to his native country? No, he's still in our hometown here in England. So he's probably about 15 minute drive away from me. Okay. Well, obviously, Kim, as you know, the situation you're describing is tough. I mean, a really tough situation. It's always more difficult when the parents of the of your spouse are kind of condoning or helping out. That makes it tougher without a doubt. And, and yeah. yes, you do have a point here that because of the fact that she is from this native country, they have some understanding. When we talk about intellectual attraction, for example, we often talk about the fact that people tend to be attracted toward people who have similar backgrounds because they can communicate with each other in a way that they don't have to stop to explain some things because their similar background makes it more understandable. So everything you're saying, I understand it's a very, very difficult situation. Obviously, you can't control him. You can't control what his mother does. You can't control what that other woman does. I hate the fact that he didn't have much to do with the kids until you kind of forced that a little bit by that parental conversation you referred to. And it sounds as if he basically just left his responsibilities 
to go live in a different situation, which although if he's still, if he's actually living with her, there is a reality to that, but that reality is still relatively young. What I mean is it hasn't been years. And so the only thing I know of that you could do is this. You continue to do the things we talk about where you become the best you that you can be. And, and because of the fact that he's now so focused on her, that it's not only you he's abandoned, but if I understood what you said, it's actually his children he's basically abandoned as well, then, then that focus on her will have a shelf life. What I mean is um, you don't stay that focus on another human being in what we would call a limerent relationship. I'm going to assume that this is limerence. You don't focus on that human being forever. It begins to change. And then it becomes a matter of his beliefs and values. You see, if his belief and value system is divorce is fine, leave my wife, leave my kids. I don't have any strong responsibilities there. If that is a belief and value system he has, then it makes the situation one that will be extremely difficult to rectify. But if his belief and value system has to do with the fact that, you know, you are supposed to stay in a marriage and you are supposed to be a father living with your children and taking care of them, then what you hope for as you become this best person you can be working on yourself physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, as you do that, as you do that, you hope that at some point as this other relationship begins to fade in intensity, which it will, when it begins to when it fades in intensity, that that's when he looks back at you. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. As a matter of fact, everything you've described makes it tougher. And, but you already know that. You knew that before you called. Uh, I can't and you can't and nobody can change any of those things. So you continue, even though it sounds like almost a hopeless thing, Kim, you continue to become the best you can be and hope that when that begins to fade, his belief in value systems, plus you become even more awesome than you are, would lead him to think, what have I done? Or that somehow he begins as a part of that, not separate from, but part of that, he begins to focus more on his children. Those things can possibly work. Otherwise, I don't know of any magic thing that you can do to make it work. I'm so sorry. If I had it, I would tell you. I promise. Okay, and then we're going to go right here in the USA to the state of Arizona and talk to Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Are you there? Yes, I am here. Can you hear me? Yes, very clearly. And I understand that your husband uh, asked for a divorce, but he wants to reconcile. Am I reading this correctly on my screen here? Um, he hasn't said straight out that he wants to reconcile yet, but he says he needs the divorce to be able to move forward and mm. possibly reconcile. He says oh. it's almost like a fresh start. So I right. wanted to see what your take is on that. To me, it's a bit of a cop-out, but here in Arizona, <laughs> it's, it's a no-fault state. And so um, it, it, the, it's already been filed. The divorce has already been filed and could, mm. you know, could be final here um, in the beginning of September. So I'm, I don't want the divorce. I've told him that, but he says he needs it. So I just wanted your take on that. Do you know why he wants a divorce? The only thing he says is that he needs the fresh start to be able to move mm. forward and possibly reconcile in the future. And, and your belief that that's a true statement on a scale of one to 10, 10 means you believe it completely. One means you hardly believe it at all. What number would you assign to your belief that that statement is valid? I would say probably a seven. 
Oh, so actually, I believe that he believes that. I I do believe that he believes that. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, you know, he's coming out of limerence. I think he's he's definitely in the third phase of limerence. He's not completely out of it yet. He's still he's still in the fog, but um, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And is the limerent partner still in the picture? Yes, but only on like they only talk on the phone now, which is how their affair started. They, I called him a few months ago, and I don't know if you remember quickly. He, my husband was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and his limerent um, object has lupus. And they connected and bonded with their health issues. My husband has now been cleared. He's cancer-free. And he, okay. he's oh. been handing me bricks lately. Yes, it's great news. Good. We're very, very happy. But he's handed me, you know, a few bricks saying that, you know, I don't really have anything in common with her anymore. Everything that I needed her for is now over, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be, I don't want to be a bad friend. So he still, you know, Mm -hmm. contacts her. They still, cause she has a lot of issues. And I mean, he, he was here on Saturday with me and our children and he answered a phone call from her. It's the first time that's ever happened. So I know Mm -hmm. the limerence isn't over completely, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely on its way out. I, I think he just doesn't know how to get out of it. That's that often happens, by the way. And I could, you know, we had yeah. a long time here. I could explain to you how that fits into what we call commitment theory, et cetera, et cetera, but you know, with, unnecessary. And so you're saying you want my take on what he's saying or the fact that you're going to get a divorce? Well, well, I, Yes. I mean, is this something that you hear often? Is that Mm -hmm. a man or a woman coming out of limerence or, you know, I guess maybe he's vilified me enough that in his head, you know, just being single and not being with his limerence object is, is a better possibility, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of coming back to me. And, and do you hear that often that somebody says that they need a divorce? to start over. Is that something that Mm -hmm. is guilt? Is that something that is shame? Is that something that they, they look at you and just like need to be done? I, I guess I don't understand where these, where that comes from. He's, I mean, he's just not the person I know. Mm -hmm. Well, everything you said is a possibility. Okay. It could be guilt. It could be shame. It It could be because he so vilified you, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, there's no way to know unless he knows. And based on how you're describing him, I'm not sure that he does. It's a situation where when we hear that, you know, I, I need to divorce you so I can kind of get a fresh start and start over. Uh, you mentioned earlier, it sounds like a cop out. And it's according to how you define a cop out. But I would agree with that, because basically what it's saying is I'm going to be free of you, period. But but. I'm going to phrase it in such a way where it's not going to sound so bad. So I'm just saying that I need to be away from you so I can just get a fresh start, think things over, those kinds of things. It's almost like I gave you the bad news, but somehow now I need to justify it so you don't feel so badly about it. That's what it sounds right. like. Now, I don't know He also him. says that he – oh, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. Please. I was going to Go say ahead. that he also says that he can't believe me when I, when I say that I could possibly trust him again and forgive him again. He cannot – hear me say that he completely doesn't believe how I could. Mm -hmm. Well, when a person says that it typically means one of two things, typically. Now, again, there's going to always be exceptions. One is that they feel so much guilt that they can't understand how anybody could forgive and want to be with them again. Or the other is that too would be an excuse. Yeah. 
since I can't really explain it from my side, I'll justify it from your side. I don't think you could forgive me for this. I don't think we could reconcile over this. I don't think you could ever trust me again. In other words, assigning motives to you that creates uh, a situation where he feels less guilty about what he does. Now, it's, it's probably one of those two, either really strong guilt or assigning that motive to you to help him justify his behavior. Now, it could be a third. You understand? I'm, I'm, I'm not a mind reader, but those are the two most common right. things. So what I'm hearing here is this. You're going to be divorced in September no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's looking okay. that way. Okay. Because it's a no-fault state and it's been filed, et cetera, et cetera. And so the, the thing here is, okay, I'm glad that that thing's ending with the other person. When a person comes out of limerence, again, for the kind of things I talked about earlier in this program, it might be that he's still got some kind of fantasy in his head. It may be he so vilified you that he's not over that yet. And, of course, I'm sure, Stephanie, that you would be examining yourself to see, well, is there anything I need to change about me? But the situation is where that you have more control than you think. Now, not over him, not over whether you reconcile, but over whatever happens to you next. You sound mm-hmm. like a pretty strong person, are you? I think I'm strong but fragile is how I typically explain it. Um, when people that's, tell that's me fair. I'm strong, I say I, I'm strong but fragile. So, okay. yes, I believe I'm a strong person. So what I'm interpreting, and tell me if, I got, if I'm interpreting correctly, is that you are strong but you do feel deep pain. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Stephanie, I think you're strong. It appears that way to me. And I do remember our previous conversation, I do. It sounds to me like things are headed in a better direction than they were. Okay. Phase three of Lemerance is coming out of that. That's a a good thing. And And, we see him almost every day. That's good. And our interactions are generally very good, but, you know, he he just doesn't move forward. There's never any, I'm moving forward, but he's not. It's very frustrating. Okay. Well, it still sounds like things are moving in a good direction. And so, of course, from our perspective, and I realize that we're not you and we're not facing everything that you face and feeling everything that you feel. But in, when it comes to us at Marriage Helper, we don't panic if a divorce takes place because it's like, okay, that, that can happen and still put the marriage back together. If he needs it for some reason, at least he's convinced that he needs it for some reason, and it's going to happen anyway because it's a no-fault state, then my suggestion is, my friend, that you not think about it too much. Don't, don't focus on that. You still focus on you. Okay. Focus on you to be the best you that you can be. And, and it does sound like you're making progress. I know it's got to be frustrating that you're growing and developing and going forward at a much, much faster pace than he, but it does sound like it's going in the right direction. And so um, I'm going to make a guess. I'm going to guess this. This is Joe's prediction, which, you know, I'm not a mind reader, but Joe's prediction is that the divorce probably will occur. And that sometime within a year of that, because of the fact that you're seeing him every day, that you're actually going to start rebuilding in this next year, such a relationship that it may be, you'll call me back in a few months and say, guess who's engaged to be married again. I think that's a strong possibility here. Can't guarantee it. Don't know it for sure. But it sure sounds like a possibility to me. And then we're going to go to the great state of Oklahoma, and we're going to talk to, is it Zoe? Is that how you pronounce your name? Yes, it's Zoe. Can okay, you hear me? Zoe. 
Oh, yes, I can. And it says your husband's having an affair, but also trying to control you at the same time. Is that Am I reading that on my screen correctly? Yes, um, and that's what my question is about. I'm not, I'm not really sure how how to handle it. Um, he he is currently in the affair. It's been going on since March, um, mm-hmm. and then he moved out at the end of May. Um, mm-hmm. But he he's still, and, and most of this whole time, he's been still saying he wants to be married. He he wants us to work things out. He just doesn't know how to get out of the situation that he's gotten himself into. Um, and he's, um, he is going to counseling on his own. He's got some kind of attachment, uh, abandonment kind of, um, issues, I guess. Um, and and so he's, he's working on those things and he tells me that his goal is to keep working with his counselor, keep distancing himself from this thing he's in and, and to work things out with me if we can get past all of this. Um, but he's. He kind of controls everything in my life, to be really honest, which a lot of it I don't mind, um, except for that it does now kind of cause some issues for us. Um, he, he controls all of our money, basically, because he has he has a job, but he also has a, um, a business that I stepped in about three years ago, and I run it. He's rarely there, um, but all of that money is... is in his name, basically, um, and that's what funds all of our our things. So, um, and 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 that's been okay because he's not, you know, controlled or not, you know, taken anything away from me or, or gotten out of any, you know, responsibilities as far as monetarily, um, except for that, like, like I can't do the Save Your Marriage program because <laughs> I can't just get away with pulling out, you know, that amount of money and him not you know, be upset about that. He sees everything that I do, I guess is my point. Um, as and far as he, money goes. He's upset. What does he do? Um, I'm sorry. What was that? When he's upset with you, what does he do? How does he, Oh, act? um, well, he just, he gets angry or he just, um, questions. He sometimes pull, just pulls away. I mean, he's pulled away a whole lot during this whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not connected very well at all right now as mm-hmm. you can imagine um uh it, just different things um so the money is not that big of an issue he has come to me and said hey you know what do you, what is this what did you spend on this you know questioned it a little bit and maybe gotten a little bit angry about me spending money a few times but that's not been a huge deal what's been a bigger so deal he, is um, uh, does he feel superior to you um well, I mean, possibly most of the time. Right now, no. He's guilt-ridden. He's very down on himself but right now. The way now. he controls you is he controls you as if he has better wisdom, better understanding, better knowledge. And when you violate what he thinks it should be or how it should be done, then he demonstrates anger toward you. That's what I'm hearing. Is that correct? Um, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so how, how may I help you? What can I do for you? Well, I, I don't know. So, so the bigger issue that he controls is, is he, he has access to all of my, my messages because our phones are connected, you know. So he reads my messages. Mm-hmm. I, I know that he does this. He has access to, you know, Facebook and all, all of my social media, my Snapchat, right. everything. Okay. And so he is, is always looking at those things. Um, and periodically we'll find something to get upset about his, his, he's got this big worry that I'm going to, 
do something, mm-hmm. be with another man. I get, and he says it's guilty conscience. It's him. It's what he's doing, and he mm-hmm. knows that. But he's constantly looking for that right. in me. So how um, can I help? What can I do for you? How, how, do I, in this whole time, all I've done is try to be transparent in that because mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to be untrustworthy. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've allowed, you know, I've known he's looking, and if I've changed a password or something, I just tell him. I've changed it. Right. Here it is. If you want to look, there it is. Um, mm-hmm. Because a so few what? things have come up that he's asked. So sh- is that okay? Should I do that? Does that make me more of a, I don't know, people say doormat all the time. Should I make more of a stand to keep my things private? Or, um, I mean, he's having an affair. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like. I, I, what you're I don't describing. Know. Okay, I, and I get it. I understand. You sound like a very nice person and that you are trying to be transparent in every way, and I actually admire that. That's good. But when we start thinking about this, Zoe, don't let anybody else tell you that you should do this, that, or the other. In other words, if, if your friends or buddies or somebody saying you're just being a doormat, I recommend that you don't listen to them. Now, let me explain why. It's because of the fact that they love you, they care about you, which means that they become biased in the in the. Uh, information they share with you, the opinions they share with you is bias. So, so be careful, very careful about listening to your friends, family, and other people like that. Now, having said that, let's talk about the situation itself. You are allowing him to control you. Okay. You sound to me like a very intelligent person. And my guess is that you're allowing that control because you think, okay, somehow, some way, this is going to make things better. And when we can get past this and I want him to always see me as being that person that didn't cause all of these difficulties yet you described pretty clearly that this man is dominating you in your social world through the Facebook and phone and in the financial world, by you know, all the, everything's in his, uh, name and he handles all the money. If you want to live like that, that is your privilege and your right. And neither your friends nor I nor anybody else should tell you that you can't do that. But the fact that you are doing that potentially has some negatives to it, Zoe. One of them is that when you allow people to dominate and control to that degree, and I'm speaking in general principle here, I don't know your husband, but when you allow somebody to control you to that degree, they tend not to see you in a positive light. What I mean is they begin to feel that they're actually superior to you. I am smarter than you. I am, have more wisdom than you, et cetera, et cetera. And, and use that anger to control you. And so, like I said, if, if you are comfortable living like that, it's your choice, but it's probably not improving you in the sense of how he sees you because calm confidence not talking about being mean, not talking about throwing fits, but calm confidence is extremely attractive. In other words, you do have a backbone where you can stand up to me where you feel that I'm being inappropriate. And whatever his motivation might be, he says to you, I know, I know, but it's because of the guilt I feel over what I'm doing. That motivation doesn't make it okay. If it's not okay with you, that motivation shouldn't make it okay with you. But again, It's whether you want to do it or not. That's why we can't tell you what to do. But in a situation like this, Zoe, the probability, and of course, this is just a probability, it's a guess, is that at some point, it's going to start building up inside of you and and become resentment. So that it's like, wait a minute, I am an intelligent human being. I am an adult. It's uh, in psychology, it's called self-determination. 
people really resent not having the ability to make their own determination about what they do. And you said that he's controlling nearly every aspect of your life. Let me explain a couple of more things very quickly there. People tend to do things for one of two motivations, an approach motive or an avoidance motive. Now, an approach motive says, I'm doing this because it benefits me in some fashion. And so when you do things for an approach motive, your own self-esteem goes up, your own confidence in yourself goes up, the way you feel about the other person stays positive. But if you do most of the things you do out of what's called an avoidance motive, an avoidance motive is, I don't see how it benefits me, but... I'm doing it because I want to avoid the negative consequence. I'm doing this not because I want to, but because I don't want him to be mad at me and say those things to me, he says, when he gets angry. I'm doing this not because I want to, but I'm I'm doing it so he won't make some kind of financial decision that hurts me in the long run. Those are avoidance motives. And in the long term, avoidance motives, if they're done a lot, and everybody does some avoidance motives, but if they're done a lot, it begins to affect your own self-confidence, your own self-esteem, because you don't feel like you have any control over your own life, which will in turn then have a negative effect on how you feel about the other person. In this case, that would be your husband. And so I'm said, it sounds like I've spoken out of both sides of my mouth. If that's what you want, then it's okay. But if you do feel controlled. And if you do feel that it's affecting your self-esteem and your confidence, if you do feel it's negatively affecting what you feel toward him, if the resentment is already beginning to build up inside of you in some fashion, it's not going to get better if you continue to let him control you. It's not. And therefore, rather than if you're going to make a stand, rather than waiting until it builds up to the point where you just explode, which is typically not a good thing, It's better that when you're still feeling some degree of control and not totally frustrated that you say, okay, uh, here's some things that are going to have that uh, for my own sake, I'm going to have to do. Uh, You can't be following my Facebook page and we're going to have to set up a situation and I want you to agree to it. I want you to agree, but I'm going to do it even if you don't. And we're going to set it up where you can't see what's on my Facebook page. Uh, We're going to separate some things about our phone so you can't see my messages or else I'll have to get another phone. And I need some kind of reassurance that I'm financially going to be taken care of. I mean, I'm running this business. And so I need to know that everything's not in your name, those kinds of things. Doing that when you're calm and strong is far better than doing that later when you're upset. So did I again sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth? It's your decision, Zoe. You do what you think is most important to you. But it sounds as if, in the long run, this is going to be a negative thing for you if you don't start making some kind of stands for yourself right now. And based on what I heard in terms of your personality, I don't think you'll be mean if you do take a stand for yourself because that won't work. But you can be strong. And I'm convinced you have the ability to be strong. You're a very intelligent person. You can run a business. You can do this. And so now we're going to go to the great state of Pennsylvania, and we're going to talk to Brenda. Hi, Brenda. How are you today? Um, oof. Give me a second, Dr. Dean, because I, I can't even believe I actually got through to the line. Okay. And I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to try really hard not to, um, not to cry. Okay. Hey, Brenda, so, um, Brenda. Hey, Brenda. If you, if yes. you cry, it's okay. It's okay to be who you are. It's okay to feel what you feel, okay? 
So don't don't feel like you've got to be super strong for us. You just be you, okay? Okay. 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 So um, my husband and I have been married for it'll be 19 years tomorrow is our anniversary. We have three kids, and um, we've been separated for four months. Mm-hmm. My husband is a first responder. Mm-hmm. And um, about six months after he graduated from the fire academy, he became very detached emotionally. He just changed a lot. And um, about four months ago, on, on day two of the quarantine, he told me that he loved me, but he wasn't in love with me anymore. Mm-hmm. And he left me with three kids in the middle of a worldwide pandemic of historic proportions. Mm-hmm. And so now... It's been four months, and he's telling me that he wants to reconcile. However, I question his sincerity because he does not regret leaving. He hasn't mm-hmm. even apologized for leaving. Um, mm-hmm. I love him very much. I take my marriage. I've taken my marriage about seriously. I've been faithful. I believe that marriage is a covenant mm-hmm. between my husband and God. And so, um. Um, I've been doing the smart contact, and through that, I noticed that he did start to um communicate with me and start talk to and start talking to me and everything. And um, so now he's saying he wants to reconcile, but he's been gone for three months. And um, um, I found a condom in his car a couple of days ago. <laughs> you found what? I'm sorry. I found a condom in his car a couple of days ago, hmm. and he swears. That um, like when he told me that he so lo- that he loved me, but that he wasn't in love with me, I was just like, well, okay, well, if you're not in love with me, then who are you in love with? <laughs> because he did about 14 years ago. He did. Um, I did find out that he was. Um, I, I don't know that it was an actual sexual affair. I think it, it may have just been an emotional affair with like an old girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, they were communicating like via email, but because of that experience. I obviously had trust issues with him. Um, And so um, I would check his phone, which obviously he hated. Um, But the thing was that I I would say to my husband, okay, you know, obviously I have trust issues with you. I need you to, you know, uh, uh, earn my back. And I would say, okay, I'm going to give you a question or two, if I may. Okay. Yes, I'm sorry. You you say you're not sure if he's sincere about wanting to reconcile. What correct? And you and you're saying that you feel that because he hasn't said that he's sorry. Has he said why he wants to reconcile? Um. No, he just says that he you know he wanted to give it a shot and see if we could uh, just try to work so things out. So if you out. were to ask him, if you were to actually sit down and have a conversation, do you feel he would be open and honest in his answers to be transparent? If you were to ask him questions like, okay, and I, I, I want to understand more about why you want to reconcile. I want to understand what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Would that be a good conversation or were you expecting to basically just be kind of terse and give you short answers that don't really give you any insight? Which would you expect? Sure. Would it be open or not? Sure. That there would definitely be short answers, um, or he would just say, "I don't, I don't know." Like it's just it's so bizarre because there are certain times when I'll speak to him, and he he just seems very he seems sincere, 
Like there's something like when, you, when you're with somebody for how many? I mean, we've been it'll be 19 mm-hmm. years we were married, but we've been together for 23 years. So there are certain little mm-hmm. things about people that you pick up. For example, mm-hmm. I am under the impression that when he is being honest, his voice drops. So you think you can read some of those signs and those kinds of things? So here's my so question, Brenda: Do you want to reconcile? Yes, I do. And we we went to we went to the beach. Like for four days with okay. our with our right. kids so and the you first want couple to reconcile, of days, but you're doubting his sincerity about reconciling. That's what I'm hearing you say, right? Correct. And so, yes. what, what do you risk? What do you risk? What do you risk if you decide that you want to try the reconciliation? What is it that you're afraid of? I'm afraid that he's stringing me along, that he's taking me for a ride because I think he has someone. Or if he or had someone. And so you're you know, afraid I, you're going to be used. You're afraid he's not really going to reconcile. What I'm hearing you say is you're afraid he's going to come back I'm, until he finds something better. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? Yes. And I told him a couple of days ago that um, I said to him, you know, people, people, if you want to reconcile, I, I told him, you know, people usually invest their time and their money in things that matter to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wanted to do couple therapy, and I also mentioned this, uh, the 911 workshop in August, mm-hmm. from August of 14th. And so mm-hmm. he said that he, he, he told me that um, he would let me know this Wednesday whether he had whether he was going to be able to have the funds to do that, and we would split the split the cost. And so, mm-hmm. but my thing is, I know that he's been you know, going crazy these past four months, spending money okay. on rifles and firearms and mm-hmm. ammunition. And he's, so you and feel he's, like you know, that, and, that he has money, but he's spending so, that money on him and rather than spending money on you guys, putting the thing possibly back together. I know that's got to hurt. I know that's got to be frustrating. So let me mention a couple of things uh, to you and everybody out there who is listening. If, if you, for example, you said you're going to be splitting the thing and let's say that you, uh, or it's strapped for money because of the situation that you're in. Anybody out there, if you guys are interested in our workshop and, and you are having financial difficulty, you can always apply for a scholarship with us. And so what we recommend is this, that you, you call our number, and I'll give you the toll-free number here in just a second. You call our number and you ask to speak to one of our client representatives. And our client representatives will listen to your story. And if you're really interested in coming to our intensive three-day workshop right now, we're doing all of those online, of course, uh, because of the pandemic. And if you, if you have a financial stress, we do have some scholarship money available. And, and the scholarship... Uh, is, is available. You, I can't guarantee you necessarily that you would be eligible for it, but it's certainly worth your time to talk to one of our client representatives, tell him or her your story, your situation, that kind of thing. And then by doing that, uh, they'll make it, they'll, they'll tell you how to apply for a scholarship. And if you get approved for that, then we can help you. So that toll-free number is one 903 zero nine nine zero. So again, eight, six, six, nine, zero, three, zero, nine, nine, zero. And you can say, okay, you'll get a message because we've closed our office because of the pandemic right now, all of us, <laughs> and there's a ton of us are all working out of our homes, but, but somebody will call you back and just say, okay, I'm going to speak to a client representative and they'll have a client representative call you back. Or if you already have been talking to one of our client representatives, mention his or her name. So they'll know who to have uh, called you back 
and and uh, they'll talk to you. They'll listen. They'll send you by email a form for you to fill out where that you can apply for a scholarship. And well, I can't guarantee you can get it. Most people, if they really, if you have an honest need, if you have an honest need, you're probably going to get the scholarship. Now, the scholarship is typically not 100 percent. Okay, we're not that, but it can be it can be significant, and and we want you to take advantage of that. So, in a situation like this. Suppose, you know, like the husband has plenty of money, but the wife has having to pay half of it and she doesn't have much. Then there could be a scholarship for her side, but not for his, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm getting too complicated already. Just understand that if you are interested in coming to our intensive workshop online, the three-day workshop, we don't want to turn you down because you don't have money, Okay. If you don't have money, we want to try to dip into the scholarship fund and help you out there. And again, that number is 866-903-0990. Now, if you're listening from another country, I mean, because we know that on this program, I've gotten calls from every continent except Antarctica. Okay. If you're listening from another country saying, can scholarship money be available even if I'm in another country? The answer is yes. Yes, it's available. So, Talk to your client representative. If you don't have one, call that number and ask for a client representative, and we'll do everything we can to help you get into our intensive workshop. It's, like I said, right now done all online. It's three days. It's all day Friday. It's all day Saturday, and it's Sunday from 1 to 7. And we don't do one every weekend, but we do a lot of weekends. And so finding one that will fit your schedule should be relatively easy. Now, forgive me if that sounded like a commercial, but I heard Brenda saying that. Brenda, we would love for you to be in the workshop. One other thing we're going to figure about the workshop. One thing we do on Sunday afternoon in the workshop is we introduce you to a thing called the E-System for Reconciliation. And so here's Brenda, for example, who is saying, I'm not sure I want to do this. I mean, there's a big part of me that does want to reconcile, but there's a part of me that's afraid to reconcile. The E-System of Reconciliation that we teach in the workshop, we teach it on Sunday afternoon, uh, Actually, that system has five steps, but you don't make a decision as to whether to reconcile or not until step four. Now, I know that sounds kind of weird, but we help you work through a whole bunch of things before you make a decision as to whether you want to reconcile. And so the E-system is not a commitment to reconcile. It's just a commitment to explore reconciliation. And if so, what does that mean? How is that done? And that's part of what we do in the intensive workshop. So that's again, 866-903-0990. Forgive me if that sounded like a, a commercial. I didn't mean it to. I just want you guys to know that there are resources out there, even if you're having financial difficulty. And now we're going to go to the great state of Florida and we're going to talk to Yolanda. How are you today? Very well, Dr. Bean. A little bit emotionally um, exhausted, but otherwise, mm. I mean, well, I can understand the emotional exhaustion, my friend. And I see that you have a question about the fact that your husband wants to leave, but he still wants to have sex with you. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's um, he's been on a limerent affair for over two years with somebody from work much younger than him, about 20 years younger. He's been on and off, and I was, I was thinking he was more in the third phase of deterioration. Um, mm-hmm. We did your uh, online workshop, um, and after the online workshop, he has um, 
really gone into emotional distress and pushing for separation. Um, even though I felt that we've had a lot more connection and have mm-hmm. been able to share more deeply, um, you know, feelings and he has opened up quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But he is very emo- uh, emotionally distressed and is pushing to tell our kids and our family um, because he doesn't want to, you know, uh, pretend anymore. Uh, and mm-hmm. so yesterday we talked about how that would go, and um, it was one of the hardest days ever in our crisis. You know, he reaffirmed his feelings for the LO, and but he was he also told me that he was. Um, very fearful and terrified of losing me um uh, because he felt an immense love for me um and so um when we end up the night we went to bed um we still live you know asleep under the same roof and on and the same bed and and he approached and started hugging me and kissing me and and you know wanted to um uh, be intimate with me and I, it just that created so many intense feelings because here he was telling me he's ready to go, referring his feelings for the mm-hmm. LO, and then at the same time trying to have um, sex with me to make me really felt um, used. And, you know, he told me he wasn't, that wasn't it, that it, it was sincere, that that's one of the things that, you know, he's tormented by, mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. you know, he know it was wrong but it was going to end soon because he was going to be leaving and he apologized profusely. Um, and I don't know how to react to that. Okay. Yolanda, let me ask you a question. When he began to pursue last night, did you, was it, was he acting in such a way that you felt that he was actually wanting to make love to you or was he acting in such a way that led you to believe that he just wanted sex? I think he was trying to find intimacy um, and connection. Okay. That's actually a good sign. Yolanda, just about everything you're saying, and I know it's painful and I know it's confusing and I know it's frustrating, but the things that you're saying actually sound like things are headed the right direction. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Now, again, I'm only, I'm not God. I don't know everything, but I'm telling you what it sounds like to me. The fact that he has intensified the emotional thing within him, the conflict, the the stress, those kinds of things, that's actually almost always a good sign because it means that that cognitive dissonance, the thing that happens inside of a person, like I know what's Mm -hmm. the right thing to do and I know the the desire I have to do the other thing right now. When cognitive dissonance, comes back and, and starts getting stronger and stronger, then the person does feel more chaotic. And it's more like they are more stressed out. They really are. And so they're being pushed, but the push is not coming from you. The push is coming from inside of them. And the push is, okay, I have this strong desire to do this thing over here, but I, I know that that's against what I believe to be true, the thing. And I still do love my wife. And and I guarantee you that can definitely happen. I do love my wife. I have this limerick thing over here with her, which is closer to an addiction. And so in that, while I know it's got to be totally frustrating to you because he's saying things like, well, it's, it's going to be over. I'm going to leave. Let's tell the family. The other things that are going on indicates that that's probably an action he wants to pursue so he can somehow deal with the cognitive dissonance one way or the other. In other words, 
in, what's happening inside of me is so stressful and distressful right now that, that making any kind of decision, any kind of decision gives me some kind of relief. And maybe the easiest decision because of the lust I have toward this other person, the limerence I have toward this other person, is just to say, okay, I'm leaving you. But then he gets into bed with you yeah. and he looks at you and he has this desire to connect with you, to become one with you which is what true making love does. It really becomes one with the other person. And so I know this is going to be frustrating for you, and it's not a guarantee that things are going to work out. But these are all, to me, good signs, although I know it's very frustrating to live through. They're actually good signs. Do you want to connect with him emotionally? Last night I was too hurt. I get it. I do understand you, Linda. And, and the pain is real, and I'm not discounting it in the least. And I don't want you to do anything. It's your decision, of course, but I don't want you to do anything that hurts you more deeply. I really don't. But I see signs of hope here, my friend. Can't guarantee it, but I see signs of hope here. And so he, he's having a really mm-hmm. distressful time after the, the, the marriage workshop. He has been really distressed, um, really going into depression, anxiety, tremendous mm-hmm. um, guilt. Um, mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't, he doesn't condemn, you know, his feelings of having this other person. He feels mm-hmm. tremendously guilty about the pain he's going to cause his family and me and mm-hmm. the kids. Um, but he sees, he continues to move forward by leaving because he's looking for relief. And I don't know what, yeah. how, besides working on myself, I don't know what else to do, be supportive of him to leave. To leave. Um, but I, I, it's, it's really taking a toll now on my mental health. Yeah. And I've been strong for two years, but I think now it's coming to some, you know, yeah. to the point where it's really affecting my mental health. Last night I couldn't sleep mm. till about 5 a.m. after that. I'm happened. so sorry. I am so, so sorry. And can you understand what I, what I mean, though, when I say as, as bad as this is for you to live through, and I know it's, it's terribly bad. Can you see what I mean when I say, but these are actually, believe it or not, are good signs? It's hard to look at it that way. I'm sure and it he is. He tells me all the time, he tells me, he tells me all the time what a wonderful woman I am mm-hmm. how a great person, how beautiful, mm-hmm. how he's still attracted, but he says mm-hmm. the feelings are not there, like they used yeah. to be. That he feels this immense love for me, but mm-hmm. you know he's still involved mm-hmm. with this other person. Yeah, and that's what limerence does. It does that very thing right there. I can assure you that he is right. You are a wonderful person. You are a beautiful woman. I mean, uh, I can I'll tell you. That's not just him blowing smoke at you. You really are. You've got a lot of things going for you, kiddo. And the fact that he wanted emotional connection with you last night is kind of belying his actions. So he could, he might, might he go ahead and do this and go ahead and leave you? That's certainly a possibility. Okay. But, but he's messed up right now inside. And, and that means, that means that there's still a chance that, uh, as a matter of fact, actually a good chance that, He's going to come to himself and go, I've got to do what I believe is the right thing to do concerning you, concerning your family, all those kinds of things. So, Yolanda, don't make love to him if you don't feel it. But if you do feel it, don't feel guilty if you do make love to him. 
And it's going to be a case-by-case situation, okay? Not just a flat-out, here's the overriding principle. It, well, I guess there is an overriding principle, and that is do what feels right to you. If you want to make love to him, good. If you don't want to make love to him because you're so hurt, don't feel guilty that you don't. Don't feel guilty that you do. And, and uh, I'm still holding out and hoping for a tremendous future for you, my friend. And I'm so, so very happy, uh, very sorry for how much it hurts right now. And I promise you if I had the magic wand, I would wave it. I do want to know what happens. Okay, Yolanda, will you keep me up with what happens, please? I will. I, I One quick question. How would I go forward now after all this? What should I do? I don't know what my stance should be. Um, Same thing you know, that anybody would too. do, Yolanda. Mm-hmm. Don't push unless unless you feel it's an essential push. In that case, then do it. Just keep being the best you that you can be. Okay? That will add more to his confusion. Trust me. And that's a good thing right now. You being the best you that you can be. And, and you at heart are a very kind and good person. And so don't let this frustration, this hurt, turn into anger where you end up being mean or hard. I mean, that's not who you are, so I don't think it's going to happen. But be careful that you don't let that happen. Just keep being the best you can be and, and give me a call. Let me know how it turns out, you know, what happens next. I, I care, I'm involved, and I want to know, okay? Okay. Thank you, Dr. Okay. You, okay, Yolanda, you take care of yourself, my friend. And now we're going to go down to the great state of North Carolina, and we're going to speak to Carrie. Hi, Carrie. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you. Um, I wanted to call. I didn't have a a specific question, but I just wanted to call and thank uh, you and the Marriage Helper International team. Um, My husband and I attended the three-day workshop this past weekend, and um, we... uh, I really didn't think our marriage was going to make it. We almost didn't even make it to the workshop. Um, We signed up during the pandemic and hoped that we were going to be with in-person workshops in July. And of course the pandemic has raged on. And uh, initially my husband said, well, you know, I don't really want to go then. It's not going to be in person. I don't want to go. But um, our client representative talked to my husband, helped to speak with him and Um, you know, he decided that he was going to go. Um, I was told that, you know, it's likely that we'll, my my husband said, like, we're going to go and you're going to figure out that we're completely wrong for each other and we should just go our separate ways. And that's kind of how we started. But Mm -hmm. thankfully, that's not how we ended the workshop. And um, we really see the workshop's given us wonderful tools to work with. Um, It's given us a pathway forward. I can't say that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows right now. But at least right. I feel some hope, and so does he. And so mm. um, I, I feel like that I wanted to call in and at least let others know that if you're in this situation where you feel like your heart is being ripped out of your chest and mm. it's like the world is ending and it's the most terrible thing ever is going on with you, if you're considering the workshop, it's worth giving the client representative a call and learning about it. And um, I feel like this is some of the best money we've ever spent. And I really hope that this is a decision, this decision we made to go to is I hope that this is a decision that will continue to positively impact our family for years to come. We have two little boys. So it's hmm. really important that this family stay together. If I may ask, how old are your sons? Um, we have a 10-year-old. Um, he's on the autism spectrum, but high-functioning. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, we have an almost 8-year-old, both boys. Uh, 
two young guys. Uh, they're awesome. Yep. Um, so, Carrie, it was my pleasure. I got to do. I got to lead this workshop, or at least the majority of it. And so, it was my pleasure to get to know you. And I'm I'm so excited that things are going better. And and yeah, I, I like the fact that you're still dealing with reality. It won't be sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> it just doesn't happen that way. But the fact that you guys have a path forward now, and and that your husband actually participated in and enjoyed the workshop. And it's so, so wonderful that you would call thinking about other people to, to share that information with them. That's that's just so much who you are, though. You are that kind of person, aren't you, that you help other people? I try. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, thank so you I for being So I wish everybody the best. And, and again, thanks very much. Thank you and your staff. Oh, yeah, well, and they'll all hear this. And I'm just going to tell you again, it was my pleasure, my pleasure to get to know you this weekend. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. You take care of yourself. And again, I'll repeat what I've already said earlier, which is if you want to call our toll free number at 866-903-0990, I'll say it slower, 866-903-0990. Then you can talk to a client representative about the workshop that she just discussed. And if you want some of our free resources, we'd love to have those uh, have those available to you. And you can find them at uh, YouTube.com, YouTube.com, and then slash Marriage Helper, all one long word. We have hundreds of videos over there. Some of them I've done, some done by our director of operations, Jim Porto, some uh, done by a fellow who helps us with workshops, David Matthews, and many of them done by our CEO, uh, Kimberly Holmes who also happens to be my youngest daughter, and she's the boss. <laughs> we all work for her. And so there are tons of free videos about all kinds of things about relationships, particularly relationship problems, okay? Typically, relationship, uh, specifically relationship problems, and you can find these at youtube.com slash marriage helper, and those things are all free, okay? And... uh Let's go over here, back to England again, all right? And we're going to go to Benjamin in the Great Great Britain. <laughs> uh, Benjamin, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Good evening, Dr. Bain. Good thank evening. Thank you, Michael. Well, you're very welcome. And it okay. says here that things went, uh, went, that the wife has gone back into an affair. Is that correct? That's right, yes. So for me, it almost feels like I'm going through the process twice over. Um, you know, D-Day for me was December 2018, and um, my wife's been in, a, in an affair with some guy in the U.S., so it's been a long-distance emotional affair. Um, she did travel quite a few times in 2019 to the U.S. to, to see him, um, but... Uh, you see a lot of um, support for the, from her family, from you know a lot, of, a lot of people for us to work towards reconciliation. But she's um, not not agreed to any um, any of the overtures. She's done everything to fight everyone who could um, you know propose anything that would lead to reconciliation. Now, um, I, what did happen weirdly was um, towards the beginning of the lockdown, it appeared that she was beginning to uh, warm up and um, you know, she, she was being a bit nicer. She, she did mention that she was watching a lot of videos on, on YouTube and, and um, 
and doing sort of self-development things. Um, and she would also be, you know, maybe doing things like dressing a little bit more flirtatiously or um, or um, being, um, you know, demonstrating what you would call pies in a way. So I was really feeling hopeful. But then, of mm-hmm. course, I was advised not, you know, obviously not to dive right in and, and just take things one day at a time. Um mm-hmm. But then I suspect after maybe after one or two um, incidents that yeah I I, I reckon I, you know, I could have been a bit more um, more of a safe place in 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 those encounters. They weren't like you know mm-hmm. fights or terrible bus stops mm-hmm. or anything, but you know they were not. I wasn't in control, full control of my emotions in those okay. times. Okay, so um, make sure I understand. have gone back right. to into deliverance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you think. I got kind of confused in there, so forgive me. Sometimes I I don't hear well, and sometimes I miss words. So she actually ended the relationship with the other guy for a while. Is that what I'm hearing you say? I, I don't know. You see, she she never admitted to an affair. Um, you know, and, and even though I had said things like, you know, I I I um, because I'd seen I'd seen um, some uh, text messages and things like that. And, um, okay. and even when we were living together, I'd heard things that made me believe that it wasn't a person, but she'd never admitted okay. to an affair. Um, but when you say that, I think that she ended it with a guy that appeared that she ended it. Okay, so you it think she ended, that she ended it. it, you know. Mm-hmm. I think she ended it. Um, and for how long between um, the time like that you think that she ended it until the time that you think she re-entered it? How much time passed? Probably um, a couple of months, maybe. Teaching okay. months. I, I don't know. I suspect maybe it didn't. I don't know. I don't know because you know we don't live together, so I don't know the full details. Okay. But as of right now, you cease back involved with the other mm-hmm. guy, and, and you know that that's the case, correct? I, I know that that's the case. Um, yes, um, and the, the 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 I guess the the weird thing for me at the moment is perhaps the first time because um you know i was aware of the full limerence experience um maybe mm-hmm. i didn't fully accept the you know the end of our relationship in that way and i was just sort of biding mm-hmm. my time for limerence to end now mm-hmm. it does feel like it's more of a you know like a um determined um decision rather than one influenced that much by uh by um you know chemical imbalance mm-hmm. of sorts, so I feel like I've had to okay. grieve all of all again for the for the death of the relationship. Well, I'm so um, sorry that for that. I really am. So specifically, what can I do for you right now? What may I do for you? So um, what, what I don't know at the moment. So uh, at the moment, um, the way the interaction is. Yes, there's a lot of anger, and there's you know times where she doesn't want to. Um, interactively because the divorce process and the, and the solicitors exchanges are happening. But on the other hand, she still continues to, you know, um, I would say drop signs of wanting to be nice and, and, and do things to help and, you know, mm-hmm. again, maybe you just be a bit um, flirtatious in ways. But if I were to say, oh, let's hang out for coffee or Maybe give her mm-hmm. a call. She would, you know, oftentimes not respond or decline. So I find it very mm-hmm. hard to know what to do, really. Um, okay. You so know. you still love this woman, and you still want to potentially put the marriage back together, but you're not living together anymore, and she's involved with the other guy. Did I get all that correct? That's correct. 
That is correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. And because of the fact that some of the words that you've used, apparently you are familiar with a lot that we teach. By any chance, are you a member of our online course called Save My Marriage? I, I do, yes. I, 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 um, I've gone through the whole course, and I've from time to time okay. I dip in to do a refresher. Yeah. Okay. Well, Benjamin, in the situation you're describing, and I'm so, so sorry for the pain that you feel there. You obviously still love this woman, and it's got to be so frustrating that that this is occurring like this. Unfortunately, I don't know what else that you can do other than what you're doing now. You know, you've been to the program, so you understand about the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual growth that you do for you to become the best you that you can be. And you're familiar with being a safe place so that when and if she talks to you openly and transparently, she can do it without feeling rejected or judged, those kinds of things. And limerence, if indeed that's what this is, if indeed that's what this is, limerence always has a shelf life. It's not going to last forever. Now, the fact that she's in one country and he's in another sometimes can elongate it. Sometimes it can make it go a little bit longer, but I wouldn't worry about that really if I were you. If you just keep being consistently the best Benjamin you can be, that physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, you see, there, there's no real magic button here. Now, in doing the smart contact, all the things that you've learned about from us, if you do all of that, then hopefully, hopefully, hopefully what happens is with time, with time, then when that thing begins to fade and falls apart, then you will be the person that she'll turn to because she sees you continue to grow, continue to develop and all those other kinds of things. Okay. Now I realize you're calling saying, well, is there something specific? Eh, I wish there were other than what we've already said, but you're already pretty familiar with those things. And, and I'm sure that you can keep doing those if you wish. And I truly hope things work out for you, but based on what you're describing, it will require some degree of patience because I don't think this is going to resolve quickly. Now we're going to go back to the USA to the great state of Texas and Molly how are you today? Molly, are you there? Okay, apparently Molly has gone to do something else, and, and, uh, and they're having a party that we hear in the background. Sorry that I missed you, Molly. Sorry that I missed you. And so we're going to take a call right here from the great state of Ohio from Kevin. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How about you, Dr. Dean? I am rocking and bopping. I see here that you're wondering about, wondering about whether or not you should tell your ex happy anniversary. Uh, correct. So um, my ex-wife and I just, our divorce was finalized a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe she's in a limerent affair. I mean, she told me in December that she was done and we filed basically in May and mm-hmm. was uh, finalized in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, you know, we've talked about being friends still and she still very much loves me, but we haven't had much contact um, since the divorce. And um, I'm just struggling with, you know, whether or not I should reach out. Uh, I'm trying to follow smart contact Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I don't know if that would be considered a push if I should call or text or even just sending a card would be considered a push for that. How do you um, think she yeah. would react if you did it? What would you 
anticipate her reaction to be? I don't know. Uh, the last time I sent her or wrote her a card was the day she left, and she has not mentioned um, anything about the card. Um, okay. So I don't know if she would consider that a push or not or how she would react. Um, the fact that she didn't respond to that card, what would be your purpose then in sending this card? What would you hope that it's accomplishing? Uh, I don't feel I ever got the closure that I needed. And I just, I, I mean, I just want to let her know that I still care. And, you know, even though it's not really our day anymore that I am, I think about her and just wish she is well and um, doing mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I, I can certainly understand that. So have you had any contact at all other than the card you sent that she didn't respond to? Um, a few. I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk about some business items. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's called a couple times to ask where certain things are if I pack them mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, she knows where they're located. Um, mm-hmm. And I've contacted her for, you know, tax information and stuff like that. Um, and and, and so with those interactions, okay, a little bit of conversation and did it go well? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> um you know, some of the conversations went well. Some of them, uh, there were some times where I did push and kind of ask, you know, why she isn't talking to me or mm-hmm. you know, I thought she wanted to be friends mm-hmm. and, you know, she's not really reaching out like a friend should. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she I kind of negatively to that. She did. Yeah. She, you know, she said, uh, you know, she can't, I, she can't make me happy anymore. That's not her job. Um, I have to, be happy for myself. And, you know, that's not, I'm not looking to be happy or I'm not looking for her to make me happy. I'm just trying to reach out and figure out, you know, are we friends? Are we not friends? And Mm -hmm. what, you know, what, what, where to go from there, I guess. I can certainly understand. You still care for this woman, don't you? I do. I do. And she's always mentioned that, you know, maybe in a, a year or so, or maybe down the road, she hasn't taken off the, you know, getting back together off the table, but she feels mm-hmm. like she needs to explore and figure out who she is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, she doesn't want to be married. Mm-hmm. I got that. And so here's a woman telling you, I don't want to be married and you want to send her an anniversary card from your marriage. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I, I can appreciate the fact that you still love her. I can appreciate the fact that you would at least, at the very least, like to be friends with her. And and so, and I don't know her, therefore I cannot predict how she'll react. But the fact that she didn't respond to the other card, the fact that when you've tried to bring up and ask some questions, you know, she snapped back in a, in a, a way to let you know that I'm not going to do that. It sounds to me, Kevin, and I don't know, oh my God, but it sounds to me like that it's not going to accomplish anything positive. And if it's not going to accomplish anything positive, then the possibility exists it's going to accomplish something negative. Is is that something you're willing to risk? Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess at this point, I, I don't, I don't really don't see any. Uh, yeah, I guess there, I don't feel like there's much hope and I feel like this is just for me, um, okay. getting my feelings out. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you want to do it for you to get your feelings out and you're not expecting a positive response, therefore you're not going to be discouraged or dismayed. If there's not a positive response, then why not? But if you're actually in actuality really are thinking 
deep inside of you that maybe just maybe this is going to touch something and I get a, re- a positive response. If that's really part of what's happening here, then I fear, my friend, that you may wind up being very disappointed. And but it's your choice. If you think it's what you need to do for closure, then do it. But please don't become dismayed if it doesn't end the way you want it to. Thank you all for being part of our program today. Remember that you can send to info at marriagehelper.com any topic that you wish for us to start the program with. And so this was the third week, I think, maybe the fourth, that we started off with a topic. And all those topics that we start with at the beginning of the program have been suggested to us by people who listen to this program and email those questions to us at info, I-N-F-O, at marriagehelper. That's one long word, marriagehelper.com. And also, if you go to marriagehelper.com, you can find all kinds of free articles and podcasts and all kinds of things there. And don't forget that at youtube.com slash marriagehelper hundreds of videos there for you. Thank you for being part of this program, and we hope to see you beginning at 1230 p.m. just after noon Central Time next Monday. Take care.